the issue is that, um, you know, last past several weeks have been a challenge for us uh, as a community <clears throat> and for us personally um, with, uh, with regards to current events, what's been going on. Last week I shared a message, um, and I, if you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to go back and watch it or listen to it on the website uh, because it was addressing some of these issues that we as a community are facing. And um, then I, I felt like, okay, you know, I've, I've shared a biblical perspective about current events and, and uh, you know, for us as a church, what, what God's view on this is. And uh, so this week I just began to resume our In His Step sermon series. And uh, I wrote the sermon, and the whole time I was working on this sermon, I thought, I don't want to preach this. Um, now, you probably have never had that problem before. <clears throat> but when you are a pastor and, and God uses you to speak to his congregation um, and he begins to birth a message in your heart and you are um, concerned for what's going on in the community, um, it's hard to just resume business as usual when our community is still very much hurting. So, all I've been I've been awake since three o'clock. Um, I've I've had caffeine, and so you know I'm ready to go. Um, I am uh, I've thought through this many times of what I wanted to say, and then I thought I don't think anybody will be left at the end of the service if I say what I want to say. So I prayed and and asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say? Because you know, trust me, our society is not short on opinions. I'm Facebook friends with a lot of you. You're not short on opinions, okay? Um, but our goal is to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And so, this message that I had written earlier in the week is on the shelf, and the Lord spoke to me, and so if it's a little disjointed, I apologize. It came to me in about 20 minutes while the worship team was practicing this morning. Um, I don't like doing it that way. I like to be better prepared. But the Holy Spirit was speaking this morning, and so uh, I have to listen. And so this is what the Lord, uh, I believe, is told me to pass on to you. And I'll just prepare you now. There will be a few things that will be maybe a little hard to hear, um, and I don't apologize for that. Um, because if they're hard to hear, it's, if it hurts, it's because you needed to hear it. Um, that is the role of the biblical prophet, the mouthpiece of the Lord in the Bible. He says what the Lord tells him to say, and when it stings, it's because it's supposed to. I don't like confrontation. Uh, well, I was going to say any more than the next guy, but some people actually like confrontation. I don't know what's wrong with them. Maybe it's some of you. You're looking for a fight. I don't look for a fight. I like to be left alone, and I really like to leave people alone. Uh, but this is what I feel like the Lord was saying to us as a congregation. And uh, so, I, what, what did I title it? I, I came up with it really quickly. I can't even remember. There you go. How should the church respond to turmoil? 
We need to understand something. And I'm gonna, I, I will get into the Scripture, and we're going to actually look at what, because the Holy Spirit spoke to me from the Word of God, but this is the introduction. This is what we need to, to get in, in the same place together and understanding this, what, our, what is going on so that we can understand how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We need to understand that our community is hurting. Our society is turning against each other. And everybody is looking for somebody to blame. It's always, I mean, it's always that, that's, that always happens. When something goes wrong, it, I mean, it happened in the garden. Genesis chapter 3. When God came down and he found Adam and Eve, you know, wearing fig leaf dungarees. And he said, what, what are you doing? What happened? Where are you? And Adam points to the wife, Eve, and he says, you gave me a defective product. It's the woman. She tempted me, and I sinned. So God says, Eve, let's hear your side of the story. Eve says, it's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. He deceived us, and we sinned. And so we've always been, from the very first mistake human, humanity has ever made, we've always been looking for someone else to blame. It is very difficult for us to accept our own responsibility and how we are responsible for actions, for things that we've said and done, attitudes that we've contributed, all sorts of stuff. So we're always looking for someone to blame. It's this person's fault. Or it's this group of people that's at fault. Or it's this political party that's at fault. Or it's this elected official that's at fault. We need to get our heads out of the sand and realize that none of that is the root problem. The root problem is sin. The root problem will never be solved. Please understand this. The root problem will never be solved by getting the right person elected into public office. Because every November... We think we've found the next Messiah. And every January whatever, the day after this person gets sworn in, we realize they're not. They're human, just like you, just like me. They're an elected official, and they serve, to, they serve somebody, either the people that elected them or the companies that contributed to their election. Okay, They serve somebody. And so getting the right person elected into office and expecting that that will solve our problems is absolutely foolish. And I really hope that every four years we don't have to remind ourselves of that, that we just come to accept that and understand it. This world is fallen. This world is broken. And it is led by broken and fallen people. And the only solution to that is not more of them, but it's more of Jesus. It's the church being what the church is supposed to be. The problem is sin. The problem is making yourself an idol. The problem is making your vocation an idol. The problem is making your political party an idol. The problem is making your ethnicity an idol. If you hear something disturbing and you don't go to God to see how you should respond, then you're being part of the problem instead of part of the solution. 
You are not the hope of the world. Your political party is not the hope of the world. Your civic club is not the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. And if we don't stop pointing to ourselves, if we don't stop pointing to other men and women as our saviors, then we will never do anything significant to get this world to look to Christ. I was in my office and I thought of an illustration. Back in the day, most of all of McDonald's food, whether it really was or not, most of McDonald's food was pre-made, pre-assembled. Probably still is. And they keep the food in warmers. And they would pre-make the Big Macs and pre-make the double cheeseburgers and they would pre-make the filet of fish. And when they made it, they would stick it in a warmer so that when you got it, it wasn't fresh, but it was fast. And we were okay with that. Because we thought, it's fast. And when we ate it, we thought, it's not fresh. But it was fast. Now I can go do other things. Instead of waiting in line, instead of making, waiting for them to cook my food and all this stuff. It came, the Big Mac came with slivered, or not slivered, but chopped onions. You don't like it? Don't eat it. But it comes with chopped onions. The quarter pounder comes with slivered onions. You don't like it? Don't eat it. But that's the way it comes. And then Burger King had the idea, what if we let people have it their way? You don't want onions? We won't put onions on it. And it gave us the idea that we could have it fast and we could have it fresh. That we could have a burger our way? No lettuce? No problem. No tomato? No problem. Now, the reality is they probably pre-made it and we're just taking the stuff off, throwing it in the trash and giving it back to us. But it was behind the counter. We didn't see it. Out of sight, out of mind, I don't care. Not my problem. I just want it my way. Well, here's the problem. We, in Christianity have taken the have-it-your-way mindset and adopted it into our way of living the Christ life. You can't have it your way. It's his way, or you've created an idolatrous version of Christianity to suit whatever is palatable to you. Now, we live in this postmodern era. That's what it's called, the postmodern era. era. <clears throat> and what that means is that most, a, a lot of people, I wouldn't say most people, but a lot of people who uh, uh, agree with the postmodern idea is that truth is relative. And that truth is based on what a person experiences. So it's not this is true. It's more of I have found this to be true. I have experienced it, and therefore, it is true. Or I have not experienced it the way you have, and so your truth is fine for you, but that's not my truth. My truth is based on my experiences. And so what's true for one person doesn't necessarily have to be true for another person. This leads to the belief, this post, 
postmodern idea that all religions are created equal and that none of them can exclusively offer salvation. This is just another means for the devil to deceive people into rejecting the truth of Christianity and all it teaches. That you can pick and choose what you will and will not accept as part of your Christian experience. We have this cherry-picking, buffet style of Christianity where we pick and we choose what we'll agree with and what we'll reject, what we'll accept, because we want to have it our way. We want everybody to agree with us. Why can't you just see it from my perspective? Well, here's the truth. Regardless of where you grew up, I've, I feel like I'm probably one of the most southern people here because I grew up in South Carolina. And there's no, more, there's no state that feels it so south than South Carolina. Geographically, of course not. That's ridiculous. But South Carolinians, we don't look at maps. It's what we feel. And we feel we're the most southern state in the United States because they brag, I think I mentioned this last week, they brag that they're the first state to secede from the Union. It's in our history books in South Carolina growing up. The, the, what has been called the Confederate flag flew for many, many years over the Capitol building of South Carolina. They're proud of their heritage. And so growing up in that, I feel like I've, I can claim to be one of the most southern people in here. I drink my tea so sweet, your teeth will just fall right out. I like my greens collared. I like my chicken fried. Everything the South, I grew up on it. But there is a message that has swept through and continues to sweep through certain states, certain churches, that continues to propagate a very non-Christian idea. Christianity teaches equality. Christianity teaches justice. Christianity teaches loving your neighbor when they're a different ethnicity than you, when they're a different religion than yours, when they have a different skin color than yours. And unfortunately, for a long, long time, people with hate in their hearts have used the Bible to propagate that hate. Don't you Dare call yourself a Christian and wrap yourself up in the Confederate flag. That's as offensive as Nazi soldiers singing Christian hymns as they walk down the rows in concentration camps. You cannot say the words if your actions don't match up. Let's look at the Bible. John chapter 14. And it's not going to, the verses up there, but the verses themselves are not. So you're going to have to look it up. I apologize for the inconvenience. <clears throat> Actually having to open your Bibles. John chapter 14. What is the responsibility of the church in times of turmoil, unrest, Times when, again, I grew up in the shadow of the Confederate flag. I grew up being taught that it was perfectly okay to, uh, you know, do Civil War reenactments and, and all these 
things that, that are part of our history. And, and we, were, we were told in South Carolina, this is, the Civil War was never about slavery. It was about states' rights. Yes, states' rights to keep slaves. You can have a different opinion. That's perfectly fine. Just know it's not right. John chapter 14, beginning in verses 15, we're going to read through 31. It's a, it's a long passage, but it's the word of God is Jesus speaking. And so if, if anybody gets to say a lot, it should be him. He says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I, because I live, and you also will live. Verse 20. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22, it says, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. and My Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. What is the responsibility of the church in, in times of turmoil and times of fear? The first thing, be obedient to God's word. Be obedient to God's word. Not just some of it, but all of it. He says, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you know the commandments of God in the Bible? There are 300 and, I'm sorry, there's 613 commandments just in the first five books of the Bible. That's the mitzvot, the commands of the Torah, 613 there's 260, I'm sorry, I'm going to get it right. 365 thou shalt nots, one for every day of the year. And then 613 minus 3, 365 is how many thou shalt? It's two something. Come on, quick math. So <clears throat> there's plenty of things that God has commanded you to do. Some don't apply to you. 
If you don't own cattle, you can ignore all of the commands about dealing with cattle. If you don't make clothes, you can you you can choose not to you know not to not to you don't have to worry about weaving your cotton with rayon because you're not who does that anyway. I don't even know, but but so there are things that don't apply to you that you say, oh okay good that's good, but there are things that do apply to you. Things that God commanded his people to do, how to treat one another, how to approach and, and worship God, and how to love their neighbors as themselves. These are commands that God has given. Then when you get into the New Testament, you think, oh, well, there's only two commands. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Yes, all of the over 1,000 commands in the New Testament are summed up in those two. If you do those two, you will do all the others. But there's over 1,000 commands in the New Testament for us to abide by. We have to know what God's Word says. That's been the whole point of our In His Step series, is to walk slowly with the Word of God in the Gospels and to see what Jesus says to us, what He, what he said to them, and what that means to us. So we have to be obedient to God's word, not just when it suits us, but be obedient to God's word all the time and be obedient to all of God's word. Verse 23 and 24, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the words you've heard is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. When we ignore Christ's commands, we're ignoring not just Jesus, we're ignoring the Father. And so what that means is if you want to take the opposite view in verse 23, you could say it like this. Jesus could have said it in the negative. He said, if anyone does not love me, he won't be keeping my word. And my Father will not love him, and we will not come to him, and we will not make our home with him because we don't keep his word. We have to be obedient to God's word. We have to know it. There's no excuse. In this age of, of information, when you have a Bible as close as a Christian bookstore, Amazon.com will gladly deliver any Bible of your choosing, any translation, any binding, any color, color of leather you want. There's sky's the limit, people. We have no excuse not to access the word of God because it's also as close as our phones, where we can download any version of that. While I'm driving to work, I have the Bible read to me. And no, I don't ask Angela to sit in the car and read it to me. There's audio versions of the Bible on the YouVersion app. You can have someone read Scripture to you as you're driving so that you are hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So you can literally have someone read Scripture to you. Now, I'd encourage you to read it for yourself as well. Make notes, underline, whatever you want to do. But you need to know it and be obedient to it. The second thing we see, the responsibility of the church in times of turmoil, times of fear, be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, then what in the world do we have to say to our, our society? We are really quick to react to things. 
I do it. Man, I saw, saw a headline today. It's like 5.30 this morning. I saw a headline on Facebook. And I thought, that can't be right. So I, I did. I know it's crazy to do this, but I actually clicked the article. And I read the article. And then my comment was, this headline does not match this article. And we do it all the time. We see a headline, and we react to it. We get angry. Oh, I can't believe they said this. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe this is going on. And then when you read the article, you're like, wait a minute. That's not what that article says. It's called clickbait. It happens all the time. And please, if you're going to share something on social media, make sure that what you're sharing is accurate. And then if you feel like, well, the, art, the headline is a little misleading, you could go ahead and say that. The, art, the headline is misleading, but the article is good, and this is what it talks about. We live in a society where people are so quick to react. They don't have time. They don't have five minutes to read an article that might educate them and make them more informed. They just want to read the headlines. And if the headline piques their interest, then they'll click it. But if it makes them angry, they'll just comment. And one of my favorite things Favorite in the world, maybe. Not my most favorite thing, but it's a favorite. It's up there, top, top ten. Is when somebody says, somebody posts a comment, and then somebody underneath that says, you clearly didn't read the article. I love that. I'm like, yeah, read the article, or don't post it. We're so quick to react to things. We don't have a shortage of opinions. But the world doesn't need to hear your opinion. They need to hear the voice of the Lord. So stop being so quick to react and be slow to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I know that sometimes the church as a whole, pastors myself, may be criticized for being slow to respond to things, trying to wait for all the facts to come out. That's my personality. The other aspect of it is we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and we need to be obedient to him. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, to speak through us because the world doesn't need our opinion. They need to hear the voice of the Lord. They need to be pointed to Jesus, not to a party, not to any other person. They need to be pointed to Jesus. That is the only thing that is ever going to fix our nation and our world. Number three, be Christ's ambassadors. Verse 19, Jesus says, Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. We are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. How have you represented him in the last two to three weeks? How have you represented Christ? It's a tremendous privilege for us 
to bear the image of Jesus. It's a tremendous privilege for us to to be his ambassador, to have that opportunity to speak to our society and to speak to our culture. What a tremendous privilege it is, but it's a huge responsibility as well. I have teenage sons, and sometimes they like to get on, under each other's skin. And so one of the ways they do that is when one of them doesn't want to do a chore, they will go to the other one and say, Dad said you need to take out the trash. Meanwhile, Dad has not said anything. Dad has been doing other things. Dad did not have that conversation with said teenager. And so sometimes the, the best part of being a parent is catching them in the act, you know? So from upstairs, they're downstairs. Dad said you need to take out the trash. The greatest thing is when dad is upstairs and dad is listening and dad says, dad didn't say that. And because you put words in my mouth, you can go take out the trash. Today and every day, two things in the trash, take it out anyway. You're going to get tired of taking out the trash. Don't put words in my mouth. We brand ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ. We share on our social media that we're believers in Jesus Christ. And yet, we put a whole lot of words in his mouth. We say a whole lot of things that he didn't say. And we let that be our response to situations. And I'm sure God is up there saying, wait, wait, wait. Don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say that. But the damage is done. Because we are overtly Christian. And so we think that we can speak for God before he really has spoken to us. And we react. Don't put words in God's mouth. Remember that you are Christ's ambassadors to the community. You represent him. Who did Jesus repeatedly pursue? And I'm not talking about the people that ran up to him and said, all right, come on. The people that Jesus repeatedly pursued were people who needed justice in their life. People who were disenfranchised. People who were considered less than in their society. Jesus never treated them that way because they weren't. They weren't less than anyone. He approached people of every socioeconomic level and never treated them differently. The only people he ever treated differently were the Pharisees, the religious elite who claimed to have a special conversation with God and their hearts were so far from God's purposes that almost every, every negative thing Jesus ever said was pointed to them. And we really like to say, yeah, stinking Pharisees, religious elite. But we have to take a hard look in the mirror. And we have to make sure that we're not doing the same things that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees of. 
You can chew on that this week. Number four, be at peace and be peacemakers. I know y'all are ready for this sermon to be over. Like, how much longer is this going to take? Be at peace and be peacemakers. Verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This last couple weeks has been rough, rough for all of us, but some people in our community more so. All the turmoil, all the, the pictures and the videos that have bombarded our social media and mainstream media and what people have been talking about going on in our country is part of a problem that this country still has in matters of race. And you need to be careful who you listen to. There are people who say what we want to hear. We have to make sure we're listening to the truth. Jesus says for us to be at peace. He's leaving his peace with us. And like I said, since 3.30 this morning I've been awake and my brain has just been like on overdrive going wild what I wanted to say, and I said at the very beginning, I'm not going to say what I want to say because I don't think there'd be anybody left in here when I was done, and that's because there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration um, and at our society and in what's going on in our country and about how I've felt and what I've thought and what I've said in the past, <clears throat> the positions, the opinions I had on things before uh, my eyes were open to uh, a different reality that I was not uh, ready for at the time. I was not accustomed to. And so I, I got up this morning. I told Angel, I, I, I have this sermon, you know, that I had written and prepared and was ready, and I wanted to preach it, but I didn't want to preach it. And I said, it just feels like so off. Is that the best that I can do? And I, I was I was like, I don't want to preach that, but I don't know what to do. And so, you know, we, I walked in before the worship team started, and I said, guys, we're just going with the flow today. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, we're Pentecostal. We, sometimes we just go with the flow, and we should always go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. But uh, I said, even today, for sure, we're going to just really let the Spirit speak. And so as they began to their worship practice, I went in my office, began to pray, and the Lord spoke to me. And, and at first... This voice rose up and said, yeah, let's just, oh, let's hammer it home. But then, right after that, I was like, that doesn't sound right. And, and right then, the Spirit spoke to me, and he said, peace. Because I've not been at peace for several weeks. And the Spirit just spoke to me, peace. When we're at peace... When the world is falling down around us, it's not because we've stuck our heads in the sand. It's because we know who's really in charge. And I can be at peace 
while there are plagues of locusts. I can be at peace while Yellowstone is probably going to erupt any day now, if it hasn't. I can be at peace when the world is tearing itself apart, not because I'm disinterested, but because I know I live in a fallen world that is always at war with itself. And the only hope we have is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And so we can take part in helping fix some of the problems that exist, but we can be at peace and we can understand who's really in charge. Jesus is in charge of us, and we have to do what he says. We have to be obedient to his word. And so we need to be at peace, set our hearts at peace. If you're upset and frustrated and angry, then pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart and set you at peace so that you can work towards a solution. And we also are called to be peacemakers. Now, peacemakers and peacekeepers are two very different things. A peacekeeper is a person that desires peace at any cost. They give up anything that needs to be given up in order for there to be peace. They just keep the peace. They're just trying to keep people calm. But a peacemaker is not passive. It's actually active. Peacemaker is someone who inserts themselves in the situation Desiring to bring people together and helping them find common ground and helping them have conversation where we can resolve the problems that take place. And so we are called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. So be at peace in this world and be a peacemaker. Lastly, be willing to move at Christ's command. Be willing to move at Christ's command. Verses 30 through 31 in John 14, Jesus says, I will no longer talk much with you. Now, he's headed to Jerusalem here. This is the end. This is the end of his earthly ministry or the pre-cross version of his earthly ministry. So he says, guys, we're wrapping up. This is, this is what you need to remember. This is what you need to be prepared for. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. And I, if you have your Bible out, that, that's worthy of an underline, a highlight, an asterisk, or whatever you do in your Bible. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me. And he's referring to his death. So that the world may know that I love the Father. And then he says, rise, let us go from here. Now he's just dropped this incredibly heavy truth bomb on the disciples. Like, whoa, 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 you're going to die? Now he's told them over and over and over. He says, yes, I'm going to die. But three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And the disciples are like, yeah, we don't get it. And Jesus says it again, and he reminds him, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be turned over to the chief priests and the rulers, and they're going to execute me, and I'm going to be nailed to a cross. I mean, Jesus repeatedly tells them, he prepares them, and they still don't get it. And so he's just dropped this really heavy truth on them, and they're thinking, wait, 
Let's stay. Let, let's talk this out. You don't have to go. You don't have to do this. But Jesus says, rise. Let us go. The time for standing up, speaking up against the evils in our society is now. The world is listening. And our silence speaks louder than you think it does. This world is fallen. And we should not be surprised when evil happens in this world. Yes, we should do all we can to prevent it. But if a person doesn't have Christ, then they don't have the love of Christ. They don't have the grace of Christ. They don't have the mercy of Christ. They don't have the forgiveness that Christ brings. So they're not going to act like it. One thing sinners really do well is sin. And so we shouldn't be surprised when they sin. Sinners sin. It's in the job description. <clears throat> but we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed from slavery to sin. We have been changed, transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when God says move, you move. When God says speak, you speak. When he says stand up, you stand up. When he tells you to do something, you do it. Be willing to move at Christ's command. There is a scripture that says, the steps of a righteous man, righteous person, are ordered of the Lord. When you are surrendered to Jesus Christ, you take steps when he says step. And when he says stop, you stop. And so the steps and the stops of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. If you are surrendered, if you're listening to him, then you move when he says move. You're willing to stay when he says stay. Folks, the church as a whole has been silent for a long, long time. Church, for, the, for the, the vast majority, by far and large, during World War II, chose to be silent while well, 10 million people were executed, mostly because of either their ethnicity or their religion. And the church in Germany knew what was happening. And they did nothing. Some people spoke out, yes. And they were arrested, executed. If we all are willing to speak up against evil in our nation, then our voices will be loud enough that we can make change happen. But if we're perfectly willing to say, well, that's not happening to me. It's not happening to my family. It's not happening in my community. Then we are not part of the solution. We are part of the problem. Because it doesn't matter if it's happened to you. It's happened to members of our community. Last week, if you were here, you heard the uh, stories that Pastor Vincent shared. Three stories. Three of dozens. Uh, it was... I specifically told him to only share three because of time. Three stories of dozens 
of when he has uh, been, uh, when, when he has encountered some racist situation. I share with you a story of Daryl, who encountered racism in a hospital. Two broken legs. And how they treated him differently when I was in the room versus when I wasn't in the room. And <clears throat> we have to speak up for those people who don't have a voice or those people whose voices are drowned out. We have to be the change that we want to see in the world. I don't know who said that. It sounds like something Gandhi said. Be the change. Actually, I think it is Gandhi. That's a good guess. Be the change you want to see in the world. Or Mother Teresa, one of them. Somebody said it. It was good. Be the change you want to see in the world. So that means that we need to obey Christ's command. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, move when he says to move in obedience and surrender to the word and the will of God. Because if, it, if we don't do it, we're going to continue to see what we have been seeing. We, we will see the destruction of our society turning against itself. If you ever thought, like I was talking to Angela last night. I said, you know, when I was growing up, it was drilled into me that the, you know, the end time, we're living in the end times, right? Everybody believes. Every generation has believed they were living in the end times. Peter, Paul, they believed they were living in the end times. That was 2,000 years ago, living in the end times. Folks, I used to think Christ could come back in my lifetime. He could come back this week. This world is a mess. And it is not getting any better. He could come back this week. And so our, our prayer is come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until you do, we've got work to do. Until you do, we've got work. He said, occupy until I come. Occupy. Be present in the community. Be working in the community. Demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in our community. Show the world we are his disciples by what? The love you have for one another. Not the love you have for people who look like you, act like you, go to the same church as you, live in your own community as you. The love you have for one another. As I said in the uh, sermon on uh, the Good Samaritan, when the man asks, well, who's my neighbor? You know, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, who's my neighbor? And that's a terrible question. It's an ignorant question. It's a question intended to, to try to be a jab back at Jesus. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which demonstrates it's not, the question is not, who is my neighbor? But the question is, since everybody is my neighbor, how can I love them more effectively? Engage with them. Engage with people. Love them. Demonstrate Christ's love for them. I want you to stand. <clears throat> As with last week, um, the, the worship team practiced a song. I don't really feel like that that's the way we're going to end the service. Um, I really feel like we need to pray. Some of you may need to repent of some uh, long-held terrible ideas that were drilled into you. I, I just 
throwing this out. There's like a million things going on in my head, so I've got to be very selective what I say because I'm, I'm live on the Internet, and this is going to be preserved for all time. Here, this pastor have a meltdown. <clears throat> so it was so funny to me because there was this, this uproar that happened. My wife and I, we, we have Disney Plus because we have small children. Trust me, I don't watch it for me, okay? Uh, but we have Disney Plus, and the babies love it. And so there was a bit of an uproar because uh, the question was, is Disney putting everything they've ever done on Disney Plus? Because people were like, there were some questionable cartoons back in the day. I grew up on Looney Tunes. There were some very, very questionable, and I wouldn't say uh, subliminal, sometimes very overtly racist cartoons. And the question was, and so people got into an uproar because they're not putting this cartoon on Disney+. Plus. Yes, because it's racist. And why would we want our children watching this garbage when we had to watch it? We didn't even know what we were watching. It it doesn't need to be preserved for historical sake. It needs to be burned in a back room. It needs to be done away with, never needs to see the light of day again because it's a terrible ideology and it doesn't treat people as made in the image of God. It treats some people as made in the image of God and others not. But I, man, I look at this. I've read this whole thing a couple times and I just don't see that here. That some people are made in the image of God and others are not. You find it and you let me know. But I believe you will not. I believe you will see that God takes into consideration every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity, every nationality. He loves them all. For God so loved the world. The world. Not the Jews. He could have said that. Because, I mean, the first 60% of this book is about God's revelation to the Jewish nation. He could have said God loved the Jews. That he gave his one and only son, but he didn't say that. Jesus said that scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He was not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. Father, I ask your forgiveness for Attitudes, actions, statements I've made where knowingly or unknowingly that demeaned someone because of their ethnicity or because of their skin color or because of any other reason. I ask your forgiveness for that because it's wrong. Lord, I ask that you would help the church of Jesus Christ stand up and be a beacon of light that we would proclaim Christ. We're not proclaiming an ideology. We're not proclaiming a a party line. We're not proclaiming anything other than Jesus Christ because there's no other hope. There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved than the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, 
we see these areas that we need to change. We need to grow. We need to make sure we're doing. We need to be obedient to the Word of God. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be uh, your ambassadors. We need to be peacemakers, and we need to be willing to move at your command. And so, Father, we ask your forgiveness when we don't, when we haven't, when we've spoken up and it was out of ignorance. We've spoken up and it wasn't out of ignorance. We knew better and we spoke up anyway. Forgive us, Lord, for not letting your Holy Spirit do the work in us to purge these evil thoughts and actions and attitudes from our heart. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we didn't speak up for those people that needed us the most. And Father, we pray for peace, not because we're tired of seeing protests, tired of seeing conflicts. The, the passage of Scripture I was going to cover today is about the persistent widow who goes to this unjust judge over and over and over because she can't get justice. He won't give her justice. And we would praise the persistent widow for doing that very thing. And yet we may look at these rallies and these marches where people are expressing their frustration and we say, I wish they'd just get over it. So we, we, we praise the persistent widow, but we condemn when it's happening in our community when we're tired of hearing the message over and over and over. Father, we know that your way is justice. Let that be our way as well. Let, let us be committed to being your hands, your feet, your voice. Have your heart. We know we can't fix this world. It's impossible. It's fallen, led by corrupt people. But, Father, we can be the light as the light is in us. We can, be, we, can, we can be your ambassadors. We can share the gospel, share the love of Jesus Christ. We can exalt your name. We can, we can say we are Christians and live it and demonstrate it and show it. So, Lord... For some of us, we need to be listening closer to you. We need to be following you more closely, hearing your voice, reading your word, and hearing your heart. And then when you speak, you tell us what to do, we act. And so help us, Lord. Help us bring healing to our community. Help us bring healing to those that are broken. And as we do that, we have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. To see change happen in our community through revival. Not politics. We're not going to see change happen through social media or through civic groups or anything else. We're going to see change happen through revival. Where people are drawn closer to you. Lord, we exalt your name. We exalt the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted this incredible privilege and responsibility to your church. Let us don't take it lightly. Let us don't ignore it either. But let us take it seriously and move when you say move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our ushers are at the back. If you're prepared to give, you can give. If you want to send me an angry email this week, 
It's on the website. You can do so. I love you, and I pray for you, and I pray that you receive this message as love, not of condemnation, but of the Holy Spirit speaking to our church. God bless you. You're dismissed today.